Welcome to Woodlawn. We're glad that you've decided to join us online. We're so excited to be able to minister to you and to reach you and to talk to you during this difficult and unique time we're in. Now today I'm going to be talking about parades. And when I talk about a parade, what comes to mind? There are all kinds of special memories that take place when we think about parades. I know that when our children were growing up, they always wanted to go to parades because usually there was candy involved. Sometimes you want to watch the parade. Sometimes you want to participate in the parade. But there are people who'd rather just stay home and not be involved at all. Well, today we're going to look at a very special parade, and it's different from any other. It takes place in the culmination of Jesus' trip from Jericho to Jerusalem. This particular journey would make his unmistakable claim as the Messiah, though all would know him for who he was. As he entered the gates of Jerusalem, he was riding on a donkey. The people flocked to him as he passed by. They laid their garments down on the roadway. Although Luke doesn't mention it in the scripture we're looking at today, some people cut palm branches and laid them down for his donkey to ride over to show that they recognized him as the Messiah, the Son of God. What they were saying by their actions was that Jesus was their man. They were going to follow him. They believed in him, and they were going to follow where he led. Now, they said, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father, David, that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now, there were probably different kinds of people in the crowd that day. Some of those people said yes to Jesus and his Messiahship. Others may have said no. They weren't sure or they weren't going to follow him. Still others didn't even bother to come at all. They stayed home. They didn't realize the significance and the importance of this parade. But probably in the crowd that day, there were some people like Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus had once been blind, but now he could see. Also, I'm almost positive that Lazarus would have been in the crowd. Lazarus, who once was dead, but now he had been resurrected. And what about Nicodemus? Nicodemus, who came to Jesus at night, under the cover of night, later became a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. I wonder if he was in the crowd that day. There were those like them and others who were there, and they didn't want the parade to pass them by. Why did those people want to be part of this particular parade? Well, some may have wanted it for themselves, Others wanted to be part of the fun and the celebration. Still, others may have come out of curiosity or some may have come with their friends. Others might have had nothing better to do. But surely there were some who came to praise Jesus. Those who wanted to acknowledge his message. Those who wanted to accept him as the Son of God. Now, what about Jesus' motivation? We've talked about why other people participated in the parade, but why did Jesus want to have a parade to begin with? Why had he chosen that? It's unusual for him to be a part of a celebration about himself. It seems to go against his character to just be involved in self-promotion. What I'd like for us to understand Jesus' intentions 
I believe some of the valuable things here are things we can learn about ourselves and also about Jesus from this story. First, I want you to know that this was a planned parade. It was planned. It was not a sudden, impulsive act. Jesus didn't leave things until the last moment. He planned it, and he wanted to show his love to you and me. The scriptures tell us that he sent his disciples into town to get a donkey. Obviously, he had planned ahead for that. He knew this day would come. And so he made arrangements far in advance. And he said, now I'm going to need to borrow your donkey. I'm going to send some people to get it. And I want you to let them have it. And that was an agreement that they'd already made. Jesus didn't plan the parade for his own edification, though. The event would introduce him as the Messiah. His motivation was to communicate the gospel to anyone who would listen, anyone who was open to hear. In a sense, Jesus was planning this parade for future potential brothers and sisters, those who would become children of God. He wanted to give them every opportunity to recognize him as the Messiah. And then second, it was a peaceful parade. Now, conquering generals always came on horseback as symbols of military might, but ambassadors came on donkeys as a symbol of peace. Jesus specifically came on a donkey. Many of his followers were expecting him to begin his kingdom with some show of force. Instead, he came in peace in order that lost people might come to know him and he might win them into the kingdom of God. And of course he was right because we all know that love is always stronger than force. Many, many years ago, there was a movie entitled Stars in My Crown. It told of an elderly African-American man who owned a small farm outside of town. Some precious metals were discovered on his farm, and the townspeople began to pressure him to sell. But he didn't want to sell his land. The community wouldn't take no for an answer. They did everything they could to make him move. They burned down his barn, they shot his horse, and they threatened to hang him if he wouldn't sell. The Methodist preacher heard about it, and he went to see the old man. And at sundown that day, the crowd came to the old man's house ready to, to lift him up, to hang him, to kill him, to take his life. The farmer came out on his porch, and he was wearing his best clothes. He said that he was ready to die. And he asked the preacher to witness him signing his last will and testament. And then the minister stood before the crowd and he read the will to the people who had come to persecute this man. They quickly realized that the old man had left them everything. He willed the farm to the banker. He willed his rifle to a man that he had taught to hunt as a little boy. And his fishing pole to another grown man that he used to take fishing when he was young. In fact, he had given everything to the people who were about to kill him. But he killed them first with love. In shame, they turned away and they left the old man alone. The old man's grandson asked, What kind of will was that, granddaddy? 
And the minister answered, son, that was the will of God. Jesus came to love the people, the same people who would ultimately crucify him. The hatred could not change him or his love. And when he rode that donkey into town, he came in peace. Now third, this was a prepared parade. Jesus knew that soon the shouts of Hosanna, Hosanna, praise him, praise him, would turn to Barabbas, Barabbas, crucify him. And yet he prepared to go. Judas was already in the process of betraying Jesus. Peter was about to deny him. Even James and John, his brothers, were thinking about dropping him, yet he would not turn back. It must have been difficult for Jesus to prepare for such a joyous event and celebration, knowing that just beyond it, he would lose his life. I want you to imagine the mixed emotions he must have had as he presented himself in love. He showed so much concern for the same people who would crucify him. It's almost as if he's being erased while he's being honored. Now, it's one thing to be attacked by known enemies, but it's another thing altogether to be honored by those who are really not your friends. It would be difficult to deal with that emotionally, but Jesus cared more for those who would receive him than he cared for himself. And so he prepared himself, and he did what he had to do, always thinking of the good of others as his focus. Fourth, it was a purposeful parade. Jesus came for a purpose, and that purpose was to announce his Messiahship. The parade was just a prelude to what really was going to be offered, and that was salvation. The people had come for the parade. If they just came to the parade and went home, they would miss the resurrection. Now, it's interesting that the church commemorates the parade, which is called Palm Sunday on that day. Actually, Luke records no palm branches. The parade is the central event in his gospel. There may or may not have been palm branches, but Luke doesn't mention them. He says the crowd spread their garments on the road, which was traditionally done for famous people like military people or civic leaders, and they cheered as he passed by. Maybe we ought to call today Parade Sunday because that was his purpose, a parade to announce Jesus' Messiahship. But it was more than that. It was more than just an introduction. It was meant to be the beginning of a relationship. Coming to church just for special occasions always reminds me of people who enjoy the parade, but they leave too early. How much more they would have enjoyed it if they had continued on with Jesus and experienced the celebration of his resurrection. Jesus wants to give you more than just a glimpse of himself. He wants to give you all of himself because he loves you. That's his purpose. And finally, fifth, it was a preserved parade. Even after Jesus' crucifixion and death, he would be resurrected and the parade would continue. You and I are given the opportunity to become his disciples even today. 
He said that if those people who praised him as he rode into the city, if they didn't praise him, the very stones would cry out and do so because he's worthy of praise. But they're not going to have to do that this morning because we're going to praise him, aren't we? Not because he, he didn't come because of his death. He came because he wanted to offer us life. You see, he knew that death was going to have to happen to him, but he knew that also resurrection would come as well. Now, the religious leaders complained to Jesus when the people started praising him. Who does he think he is? He shouldn't be praised like that. But Jesus would not stop them. He wasn't embarrassed by their cheers. In fact, he celebrated them. Why? Because he was celebrating those who offered him sincere discipleship. Jesus was excited about them. This was his last appeal. This was a dramatic action. Jesus came pleading with outstretched hands to offer his love and forgiveness to anyone who would accept it. The story we've looked at today is in the 19th chapter of Luke. But if you go over just a few pages... There's the 22nd chapter as well. And it tells a totally different story. It tells about the crowd who came after Jesus to take him to his crucifixion. Everything would change in such a short time. In just one week, everything was upside down. Many years ago, Laura and I made our first trip to the Holy Land. And we saw some amazing things there. Some of the sights were so meaningful to us when we walked on the city streets of Jerusalem, when we stood on the Mount of Olives and we looked across at that picture I have hanging in my office of the Dome of the Rock where the mountain, the Temple Mount was, that, that golden dome that you see there now and you can go in and tour. We saw that and many other things. We climbed the steps where Jesus would have climbed to come up from the ritual baths to go to the Temple Mount. And then we took the boat across the Sea of Galilee, and we could really imagine Jesus with his disciples on that lake. The storms come up just as quickly today as they did back then. And from that vantage point, we went on to the Mount of Olives. I think the Mount of Olives was the most meaningful place to me in all of the Holy Land. And the reason was... Because when we stood there on the Mount of Olives, we were looking back at the old city walls of Jerusalem. And we could see so much from right there. We had already toured everything else. And we could see how Jesus was down here in the Garden of Gethsemane in the Kidron Valley. It's just a short distance. It's like walking down a hill and back up. But when you're on the Mount of Olives, you can see the old city wall over there. And that little section in between is called the Kidron Valley. There in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was so easy as Jesus was praying. It was so easy for him to see the mob that started up on the hill to our left, the garden being down below us on the right. And as they came in the nighttime with torches, it was un unmistakable. He would have known they were coming. If the disciples hadn't fallen asleep, they would have begged him to leave that place. But because they were asleep, he stood there and waited. It would have been so easy for Jesus to just go over the Mount of Olives and in the Judean wilderness. And there he could hide indefinitely just like David hid from Saul. It was really easy for him to get away. 
And yet he stayed. He did that because he had prayed so hard that he had sweated drops of blood, but he made up his mind to stay. With the shouts of Hosanna still ringing in his ears, he now hears the cries, crucify him. The memory of the wonderful experience in this beautiful place has quickly been replaced by the horror of his betrayal. It would have been so tempting to run over that hill and leave, but Jesus had already wept for Jerusalem. He realized what was coming, and knowing all that, he chose to stay there and to die for you and me. We've all been watching a different parade recently. It's a parade on various forms of media about the coronavirus. Being quarantined in our homes, we've had lots of time to think about our situation. Today, I want to encourage us to remember that Jesus is just as present for this parade as he was for the one we've been talking about in Scripture. His mission is the same today as it was back then. He wants to draw lost people to himself. I think people are more receptive to God right now than they might normally be. And I want to encourage us to use this time to invite our friends and our families and our neighbors online to join us for worship and to pray that those far from God will be drawn to him. I pray that nobody will let the parade pass them by. Let us pray. God, these are unique times we're living in. But you know, Lord, you're just the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, your mission hasn't changed. Your desire is still what it used to be. You just want to draw people to yourself. You want lost people, people who are far from you, to come to know you. Lord, I pray that even during the coronavirus, we might do our part to be a witness for you. Lord, in all of our faults and failures, you choose to use us anyway. And we're so grateful. We're not perfect people, Lord, but we are your instruments, and we do have a heart to share you with others. Lord, I pray that other people might see Jesus in me and I pray that they might see him in you. I pray that we might live for you. I pray that we might be drawn closer to you, that we might grow closer to you, that during this time that our faith would grow, that, Lord, we would come out of this stronger than ever in terms of how we're going to follow you, what we're going to do to be your children, your witnesses. Lord, I pray that many people will be added to your kingdom in these days. Lord, you always use bad things and turn them into good. And that's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to the Lord's table, I just want to explain to you that this is the Lord's table. And as he is present with me here in this place, he is present with you at your table. And whatever you have at home, it doesn't matter what it is. What is important is what it represents. It represents the blood and the body of Christ. And that's what we're going to be doing together this morning. We're going to be communion together with, um, with each other and with the Lord. 
So I invite all of you to come to the Lord's table this morning. And um, as you come, I want you to know that, that being the Lord's table, you are all welcome to take communion. This is not a Methodist table. This is the Lord's table. All are welcome. And um, as Methodists, we take by intention, which means that we lift the bread and that we dip it and then we take. So um, I'm going to pray and then we're going to take the communion, okay? Father in heaven, we thank you that you are present with us no matter where we are. Even though we can't be together, you are with us all right in this moment. We love you and we thank you for that. We ask you to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us, make us righteous, make us ready to sit at your table, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. On the night our Savior gave himself up for us, he lifted the bread and he gave thanks for it. And he broke it and he said, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. And when supper was over, he took the cup and he lifted it and he gave thanks for it. And he blessed it. And he said, take and drink, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are not bound by time nor by place. We thank you that we got to commune at your table this morning, even though that we didn't get to have communion with one another. We are so thankful that you have made a way for our Woodlawn family to be with us and experience us and you in this time, Lord. We ask that you would purify us, keep us strong, keep us healthy. And Lord, help us to be a love and a witness to those around us in this time. Help us to be at peace and make people want what we have in you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us in worship today. We know it's a little different than the way we normally have Sunday services, but whether we are gathered in one room together or watching on a phone from our living rooms, we are still the church. Location doesn't define us. Our commitment to Christ and to one another does. No matter what changes around us, that never will. We want to leave you with some good information to keep in mind as we wrap up today. First, you still have the opportunity to continue your regular giving. Although we are not meeting in person, the Lord still calls us to faithfulness in this area. People will need help in the days ahead, and we want to be prepared to offer that assistance. Your regular giving will go a long way to allow ministries to continue happening locally and around the world. There are several methods for you to give, even though we aren't gathering on Sundays. First, to give online by credit card or bank draft, please visit woodlawnpcb.info giving or text give to 813-644-8622 or third, mail checks payable to Woodlawn UMC to the church office. All this information can be found on our giving page. Second, 
It is such a joy to pray for one another during this time. If you have prayer needs, please head to the link below to submit prayer requests and to let us know what needs you may have. Lastly, we want to know that you've tuned in with us today. You can fill out a digital connection card that will help us know who you are and how to serve you best. There is also a section there to let us know if you've made a commitment to Jesus today or if you have questions about how to come to know Him. Our team will be standing ready, so please don't hesitate to reach out. We can't wait to connect with you. Blessings on you today and in the days ahead. See you next time.